Yo, what's up? It's late. It's, I don't know what, but we promised that we would be live. And I'm more than sure we would be live tomorrow. Yep. Because I expect there to be a press conference officially announcing Marcus Freeman as the new head coach at Notre Dame. The deal is done. We'll get into how we knew it was going to happen today. We were with you live earlier this afternoon, shared some things, stayed on for about an hour and a half with you guys. You guys stuck in there with us. We told you that Malik was busy on location, handling some business. We back. Man, you know he's on the left coast. I'm in the, I'm in the Midwest. We are dedicated to giving you content. So those of you that have left comments, We'll get to those comments and make sure we show you the appreciation that we have for you. And then you can just let everybody else know when they wake up in the morning, they'll have this version of the slant to watch because today is checkmate. It's checkmate. Now, allow me to go through the timeline of what has transpired and brought us to this point where we have the new head coach at Notre Dame and the majority of the assistants staying on staff. All right? So, of course, you know, Monday, about 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, the rumors came down that LSU was making a hard push for former Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly. Yeah. Around 6, I would say around 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, the news broke that Brian Kelly would officially be taking the position at head coach at LSU. At that point in time, there was silence from Notre Dame. And we'll get to Jack Swarbrick. Because Jack, Jack Swarbrick, I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to send him a card, man. Jack Swarbrick became... You know, Chicago was big to call somebody or refer to somebody as G. Yeah. And, you know, from now on, I'm going to have to start referring to Jack Swarbrick. What's up, G? What's uh, up? I mean, yo, what he pulled off today, you could tell at the press conference he was a little irritated. And uh, he was able to checkmate. He definitely was able to checkmate Brian Kelly. So Brian Kelly leaves. We have come to understand from various sources that Brian Kelly called Marcus Freeman and Tommy Rees before he notified Notre Dame that he was leaving. That means before he even called Jack Swarbrick. He wanted to see who who would be in on the coup. He tried to see who's going to be on the robbery. Who's going to be in on the robbery before I get get to robbing stuff? He tried to snake. Mike Elston, Tommy Rees, and Marcus Freeman. So, Marcus Freeman was upset. We now have learned that Jack Swarbrick immediately, upon finding out the news, immediately sent for Marcus Freeman to come off the road. All of the assistant coaches for Notre Dame were out recruiting. Yeah. Marcus Freeman was out on the West Coast. Upon finding out the news or the rumors, Jack Swarbrick sends for Marcus Freeman to come back to South Bend. 
Marcus Freeman then comes back to South Bend. He does drive down to check in on Drake Bowen, five-star linebacker, commit to Notre Dame. Checks in on him, comes back to South Bend. News breaks. At that point in time, Marcus Freeman and Jack Swarbrick begin to have informal communication. What it was about, I don't know, but they started to have meetings with one another. Fast forward, Jack Swarbrick then has his press conference the following morning. Mm -hmm. The following morning, before that, oh, I forgot. Before that, Brian Kelly comes back to South Bend and meets with and now that speech is actually on YouTube. It was three minutes and 12 seconds officially that he spoke to the football team. For three minutes and 12 seconds, he went on to reiterate that there was no one to blame. I have no clue why he kept saying there's no one to blame. It's like, dude, you found something better. Yeah. Keep it moving. Reports are coming out now that in the midst of him talking or after him talking, things got heated between him and Marcus Freeman, who was at the meeting. There are reports. I cannot substantiate these reports, but there are reports out there that say that players had to pull them apart. Kelly and Marcus Freeman? Now. This this will become things of legend, and I'm sure everybody that was in that room will talk about this more the further they get away. Oh yeah, because they were there. I mean, if something allegedly did happen, they was there where nobody else was. So right. So, but what we can substantiate is that there was extreme tension in the room at the time Brian Kelly was talking to the players not only from other coaches, but from the players themselves. The players were not allowed to ask questions. He spoke for three minutes and 12 seconds and bounced immediately. So when did the altercation allegedly take place? That is when, that's what we have to find out and continue to dig. Now, Marcus Freeman then speaks to the team. He's allowed to speak to the team which I thought was very interesting when I found that out yesterday. Like, yo, Swarbrick is allowing Marcus Freeman to speak to the team, but now that we know Swarbrick called him back off the road and told the rest of the coaches to stay out recruiting. So Swarbrick had his eye on Marcus Freeman. It's obvious he had his eye on Marcus Freeman from the jump. Fast forward to the press conference. Jack Swarbrick talks about this has been going on for weeks. He knew that Brian Kelly was on something and had been talking to other programs for weeks. He said he also slipped up a couple of times and had some Freudian slips that let Jack Swarbrick know what the deal was. So Jack Swarbrick, you know, most thought he was blindsided. And Jack Swarbrick was like, nah, it wasn't blindsided. Like, you know, and that goes to, you know, what you pointed out, you know, at Stanford over the weekend where, yo, the vibe was kind of off, like things were kind of strange, you know, this weekend. So now, this is when I knew it was serious, right? 
all day yesterday, I've never seen, you can speak to this, bro. I've never seen anything like what I saw from former, and I'm talking about spanning different eras of Notre Dame football. Former Notre Dame players, current Notre Dame players, the fan base on both sides, those that were Brian Kelly apologists, those that were sort of anti-Kelly and happy for him to leave, Everybody that's connected to Notre Dame all of a sudden got on this tidal wave that was hire Mark, Marcus Freeman and Marcus Freeman is the, is the guy. 2022 commits, 2023 commits, 2022 and 23 recruits that have yet to commit were all tweeting out pictures of Marcus Freeman. Mamas of recruits, Tyson Ford's mama tweeting out in Jesus' name, like bringing Holy Spirit into it, like, I've never seen anything like the tidal wave that got behind Marcus Freeman being the next head coach in Notre Dame. And it continues. It's almost comparable to Obama getting into the White House or something. Man, that's a, man, that's a good point. And we get to this point this morning. Early this morning, around 9 o'clock Eastern time, Heather Dinich of ESPN reports that Jack Swarbrick is not at the college football playoff expansion meetings. He is not present. That's the first time I thought to myself, this is getting done today. Because Jack Swarbrick has become a power broker when it comes to the college football playoff expansions. And for yeah. him, for him not to be at those meetings meant that there was something pretty important going on in South Bend that he had to take care of. That's right. That let me know, yo. So then later on in the day around 12 o'clock, we talked about it on the slant earlier today. Yeah, the rumor started that he had a formal meeting with Marcus Freeman going on. When you logged off, more information came. And I told everybody, Lucky Lefty Nation, everybody that was on, look, if this is happening, this is what they're talking about. They're talking about who do you want on the staff? Who do you not want on the staff? How much money does this person need to stay? How much money does that person need to stay? Like they're hammering out the final things that need to go. That is like, that was the vibe. And I shared that with everybody and I told them to be patient. And I also told everybody, bro, that they need to be a little bit more fair because everybody was just like, just get the deal done. This is not that hard. It's like, yo. It's not that type of deal. Not that type of deal, man. It's not that type of deal. And yo, all we know is that at this point we're here Jack Swarbrick got the job done, and he took his time. And I also know this. He was moved by what he saw from former players, the current players, and the recruits and the fan base in terms of Marcus Freeman. But he fully vetted Marcus Freeman with two informal conversations 
or two informal meetings and then an official meeting today. Yeah. He went through the process with Marcus Freeman and got to know him and came to a point where he was comfortable making the move this evening. Yeah, it was sort of like speed dating. He got a chance to sit down and, and, and knew it was sort of a crunch time situation considering our position on a possible bowl game or playoff berth. So I think the swell of the groundswell of just the amount of support from Jack and just <laughs> I haven't seen so, so many people get behind a, a coach candidate like this and for it to really be out the right time, right place. I think if this was right after the season, yeah, with the same amount of intensity be about Marcus Freeman being the head coach, I don't think so. I really don't think so. I really think that uh, they would have had more opportunity to say, okay, we're going to open this thing up and then let the floodgates in time. And you know, Jack Swarbrick would have took advantage of that time and, and you know had a different process. Yeah. I think because Coach Kelly made a move the way he did and then the response being overwhelmingly supportive for Marcus Freeman, which I can get behind. I think he's been a big staple for this season and, you know, that recruiting job he did these last couple of years, being able to put together the right formula. You know, I think the fans can see it. This is one of the few times where the fans can see and get involved in recruiting and see how it's changing for the better. Uh, I'm confident that he's definitely going to choose the right quarterback going forward. But the decisions to make with Jack in terms of finalizing this deal about who's doing what and getting paid what, I think that's a very, very important step that Marcus should probably take some more time figuring out himself, you know, with being uh, a hot situation. You know, you going in with still going into a, a very tumultuous potential college football playoffs and or even a bowl game. Your first day on the job, you playing a bowl game, January 6th style. I mean, that's one heck of a way to kick off a, a coaching career at Notre Dame. So ain't been too many coaches uh, like a Marcus Freeman running the show with his age and, and the things that he has going on with it. But uh, – this is a refreshing step that Notre Dame, I think, has turned the tide on. I don't want to say less traditional, but it's definitely not usual. <laughs> Man, this is definitely against the grain. <laughs> and Jack Swarbrick was very honest, and I'll give him a lot of credit. He stood up before the media and said, look, when I took over and 12 years ago when I was uh, dealing with the coaching search that uh, that." eventually led to Brian Kelly becoming the head coach. This program was broken and it needed someone that had the skill set to rebuild the program and had the experience to do so. And he said, we're just not in that place right now. And now we don't need someone that necessarily has that type of experience. Look, it's hard, man. It was, Jack Swarbrick did his job, but it was going to be hard for him to step away from these last three or four days and not hire Marshall right. Freeman. Like that, too many people was on him. Too many people was on him. That's that's one of the few times where the the people really influenced the coaching hire. I haven't really seen something so uh, reactionary. I mean, people yeah. were 
all over. Like, yeah, this is an easy Marcus Freeman done deal. I even, you know, I, I wanted Marcus Freeman, but I didn't say it at first because I'm like, no, they ain't going to decide that fast knowing. Well, no, your whole thing, your whole thing today was is that you felt like the administration was showing a little resistance to the yeah, let's just yeah, let's just not just get ahead of ourselves in terms of how they I didn't think they would break away from the traditional style of how they go about uh choosing head coaches. That's that's a process they go through. You yeah. know, Coach Kelly's was a process. I mean, and they got it right. 12 years and the most winnings head coach, so you know. They took a lot of time. And for this to be a very sped up process for Notre Dame, I thought that, of course, it would have some backlash. So let's get to some of the comments, man. Thank you guys for that left comments earlier as you waited for us to hop on. And uh, we finally got everything locked in and ready to come on with you guys. Sorry it's so late, but we're here. And we'll be back with you tomorrow as soon as we find out what's going on with the press conference. And we'll have that audio. Uh, also want to talk about what Tommy Reese did when he spoke to the team, which is I think was really dope what he said. Uh, Jamie McNeil. LOL, Freeman and Kelly going at it. LOL. I don't understand what it is, though. Yo, I think he's laughing at what we were talking about, <laughs> like the rumors about them. Oh no, I'm saying, yeah, I'm just saying I can imagine what the what the tension could be. I mean, if anything, Coach Kelly know how this goes. If we leave and we leave and we ain't finna stick around, right? Been there, done that before. The players, I mean, you know, it's a business decision. Coach Kelly's probably thinking, like, you want me to wait for you to leave next year and then I'll be stuck here with no job offer. Like, absolutely not. I've been trying to go to the league forever. You know, all right, like he's trying to get out of here. So, right, I'm not quite sure what the tension was about. If anything, this was a great opportunity for guys to step in into that role at the right time, and and get the the gravy train started again. So, we knew that the ceiling was reached with Coach Kelly. We're not achieving that quarterback needed to get us over the hump. So we knew that the end of the road was in sight. He wasn't the the guy we was looking to extend for another fifty years in the in the in the future, yeah, there was there was no more extension, man. There was no time left, so this was the perfect time, if any time, to get this done. And I really love the fact that Marcus Freeman, you know, good black man, good time, right place, uh, and he had the right people that was holding around his shoulders, man. The players fought for him, and you know, when that happens, you can get a good sign of things going for you. You nailed it on the head, man. And and once again, we're here because Marcus Freeman is the new head coach for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Look for a press conference sometime early tomorrow morning. Tommy Reese is retained. Tommy Reese and Tommy Reese uh, confirmed to uh, Irish Breakdown tonight that he and Marcus Freeman together went to Jack Swarbrick and said, we have to do whatever we have to do to keep Mike Elston here. Really? They, they went to Swarbrick and said, yo, we need Mike Elston here. Which really? Said, Why is that? Well, look, you've been in that locker room. You've been around Coach Elston. For some reason, you know. 
I'm, the continuity is something that I think Marcus Freeman wanted. I think Marcus Freeman is going to add more people to the staff that he knows. But I think he's comfortable with Mike Elston and what he does and has tra traditionally done with young men that come there and play a yeah, lot. Mike Elston is a very, very key piece. He has a great resume. You know? He has a great resume. And I don't know if he's going to become the defensive coordinator or not, but he's definitely needed. Look, Marcus Freeman, listen, you in that spot, get your guys in there. Get your, get your, get your, get your, get your guys there. Selfishly, you should get a whole Dayton team. Shout out to the 937, first quarterback from Dayton. Myself, first quarter, worst head coach from Dayton, Marcus Freeman. We changing the tide in <laughs> South Bend in the right direction. So this is the chance for Coach Freeman to go in there and do his damn thing, man, and get get his guys. I think this is the time for him to really invest. They believe in him. Yeah. This is not the time to just get, you know, any and everybody. You know, I think he can – they'll give him enough time to let it play out a little bit, you know. Um, for Tommy, I mean, I think Tommy wants to develop in that role. He loves Notre Dame. I think he had an emphasis on that. I don't think he said I love – Coach Freeman, I think he was really sticking to the love that he has for the, the university, which is great. I think yeah. uh, another opportunity for him to probably feel a little bit more free in the creative process of the game planning. I know Coach Kelly had a huge hand in that uh, when he was there, but Marcus Freeman being a defensive guy, I think he's going to give Tommy more trust, allow him to kind of kill him more his way, you know, through the through the offense. Um and it's a young staff. I think he's going to be probably hard to find somebody older than him, Marcus Freeman, on the staff. So we're talking about a guy that's going to have a staff that is very supportive of their players. Yeah. Um, and player development on the on a different level. You know, this is a, a, a refresher or a fresh new age type of um, situation. I think it's good for Notre Dame to take that step. Uh, I thought we would be one of the last to make that step in that direction, but you know, tradition changes and, and and evolves, and I think this is one of those things for Notre Dame to get get hip and and uh, find our place in a more uh, fan favorite way yeah. of getting into those college football playoffs. Yeah, so we want you guys to go look at the slant power tripping. That was our earlier episode today. We talked about you know the power that. Brian Kelly's looking for and the decision he made and, you know, the power trip that was trying to find the next coach and go deal with the politics at Notre Dame. Um, go check it out, man. We're already up to, I think like 800 views on that video and that's keep subscribing, sharing, like hit the notification bell. So, you know, every time we upload something or go live, we thank you so much uh check out man let's get some of the people in here uh brendan cordial thank you bk for all you did but by your own measure you failed blowout after blowout on big stages best of luck with the best players down south yeah i want to get to what he said to the lsu players and to the lsu media yeah that was great but that's a rehearsed you know he just he just plugged different names in you know that's yeah. you can't take too much word into that Beastville says, thanks for coming on so late, guys. Hey, we are committed to making sure that we keep our word with you guys. Uh, 
my guy Jason Bitter once said, it's 2 a.m. here. And hey. getting good content and getting yeah. good content because you know you're not going to hear the truth from anywhere else. Like Our this. boy Sid Iris, love you, fellas. We love you back. We appreciate you. That's right. Uh, Jason Ritter, once again, I like what Kelly got us, but he failed on big, on big them wins. You got to relax on the big wins because, you know, for a man to be coaching 12 years and we talking about, you know, three or four, five games, really. I know they're, they're very, very important, impactful games, but four or five games in a 12-year span. Well, let's get into it because the question we put out to everybody, and I want your comments right now. We told you that we would come back, and hopefully Marcus Freeman will be the head coach tonight. He is. And once that was established, we said we wanted to know from you guys how many steps away is Notre Dame from winning a title. How many steps away from winning a title is Notre Dame. I want to see what you guys have to say about that. I want to see your comments, and we'll get to it. Let's talk about Brian Kelly and what he sold to LSU. This is my biggest issue, bro. This is my biggest issue. Like, he spun this to LSU media and fans as if Notre Dame had nothing else to give him and there was nothing else he could do to succeed at Notre Dame because he didn't have the resources and he didn't have the athletes. Well, it's just too much evidence to go against that. Notre Dame was top five as it has been over the last 10 years in producing NFL talent. If, you, if you're one of the top five programs in college football where players make it to the NFL, then gosh darn it, you got some talent at the, in that program. Is it the depth of Alabama? Probably not. Is it the depth of Ohio State? Probably not. Is it the depth of Georgia? Probably not. But I've seen you match up with Georgia two times, once at Notre Dame and once at Georgia, and they were nail biters, which Notre Dame had the ball in the fourth quarter both times with an opportunity to win and couldn't get it done. And that's just the way it is. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. Now, so when you talk about the lack of resources and you talk about not having the talent that you see in that room and the challenge of winning with a program that has unlimited resources, has unlimited talent, I feel like you're throwing Notre Dame and the brand and the players under the bus. Let me tell you something. If there was failure at Notre Dame, then that means you share in the failure. It wasn't like you weren't the coach. Yeah, straight up. You're the head coach. You're the head coach. You recruited the players. So if the players weren't good enough, then guess what? You weren't good enough as a recruiter. Let's, let's be real. So he can't disconnect himself from what the failure was at Notre Dame, whether it's recruiting, whether it's off the field with the alumni, the Subway Club, Subway alumni, alumni, whomever, boosters, whomever, you failed along with the players on the field, the coaches on the field, the coaches in the locker room, the coaches on the practice field. If that's the way you view it, like we didn't get the job done, we didn't win a national championship, that falls on your head as well. That falls on your head as well. I don't want to hear it because a lot of people say, and this is the one thing I want to this irritates me to no end. 
I'm riding home tonight. They've yet to make it official, but you knew it was coming because I got the text around 6 o'clock Central Time that it was going to happen. And I hear national media on the radio talking about Brian Kelly basically told America that Notre Dame needs to join a conference. And I'm sick and tired of it, man. It's the dumbest take anybody can make. Conference affiliation has zero to do with recruiting for Notre Dame. Zero. Notre Dame already has a national footprint. They don't yeah, need to people in like Canada, like Chase and Germany. You know, we, you know, it's ridiculous. Like, stop reaching for the low hanging fruit that yeah. has absolutely nothing to do with how their talent matches up with Georgia or Alabama or whether or not they have the elite quarterback. That's true. To get the job done. That has absolutely nothing to do with it. Brian Kelly was unable to develop a quarterback and was unable to recruit an elite quarterback in 12 years. That's an indictment on him. Well, he didn't play me. That was just been his indictment. I told him before I left that he wasn't going to win a championship because he didn't play me in 2016. So maybe that was just a little, you know, that's what you get kind of thing. But I do. You you spoke the truth. Yeah, very much. Very much. Very much so. But I do think that, um, you know, we dealing with a guy that to uphold the things he was upholding to be the winningest coach at Notre Dame history, this is not a, a usual guy. No. No, this is not a guy that comes around very often. So um, the way he moves, man, and you can't, you got to take everything with a grain of salt. Obviously, the speech was very rehearsed. So taking out of context, it'll sound crazier than what it really you know, how he really delivered it. I don't think those guys in the room felt like it was a genuine talk like allegedly Marcus Freeman had with the guys after Coach Kelly left. So uh, it's just, just, you know, Coach Kelly is very good at acting like nothing is going on and just being like business as usual. But that's what the, that's what the consistency looks like coming into a program that is all over the place. You know what I mean? Coach Kelly is not going – do anything outside of what he already does. He's going to come in, he's going to give you them speeches, and he don't care the timing of it. This is These are rehearsed, saved speeches from years at Grand Valley built on. He may change the punctuation to give more emphasis, but those speeches are the same. So when he's saying he couldn't win or whatever the case is, he knows where his faults are. I mean, that's why he left. Yeah. So his whole thing is he really feel, which I think makes sense. I tweeted about this too, is that he knows that he got a better chance of competing with saving with guys that are going to Alabama over LSU and vice versa. Like it's just centrally, regionally, heavierly, <laughs> everything located stronger in that region of the country. It's a little, a little easier to get those guys to d- get them there than the, North, than the Notre Dame, and we understand that. That's not a secret. Yeah, we get a lot of great players, but the concentration of players that we get is 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 like is kind of dispersed. The concentration of players that certain teams get is kind of a trend. You kind of see, okay, Clemson got a bunch of Florida, Texas, you know, Louisiana, that certain areas. Yeah. And, and Coach Kelly, the one thing he does do recruit very well, and that's a, a front. So he's going to get some old linemen in there. 
something that no, LSU hasn't been known for. They're going to get some top O-linemen again. And then all the other pieces are going to fall into place. And I think that's just is why he recognizes the advantages of being there and recognizes the time he has. So, you know, good luck to him. For us, this is like the opposite. We're on a hot streak. We're looking to continue to ride this wave that Marcus Freeman's bringing in. And at the end of the day, man, that's that stuff is just business. I think the kids care as much as the media does about it, you know, because at the end of the day, they still got to go play a bowl game. They still want to go to the league. I remember my first time I was upset just like everybody else, man. I was I can't believe Chuck Martin just going to leave, man. We supposed to ride out to the Heisman like he was sitting at my recruiting table telling me, you know. But they'll find out it gets better as the time goes on because right after Coach Martin left, we got Matt LaFleur. That was one of my favorite coaches, you know, and now look at Matt LaFleur. So uh, as long as they keep with that next man in mentality, we'll be all right. Now, see, this is, you know, this is when people buy into narratives, man. And I don't know if this guy's a Notre Dame fan, but this guy, Kobe Johnson, says, you got to be smart to go there. Ain't no five-star dude going there, bro. Um, it's a lot more factors than that, though, because I mean, way, way more factors than that. It's not something a kid is thinking about. And this is where I disagree. That was the narrative, right? And that was the narrative that a lot of the coaching staff bought into. And for some reason, Marcus Freeman came in and his first week offered three five star defensive players, and two of those guys committed. So the school that couldn't get five stars got somebody that actually believed in the brand and came in and was good enough to pitch the school and pitch the brand and immediately got five stars. And, oh, by the way, that kid from Detroit that's a five-star, they're chasing after him. They're going after him. So I don't want to hear that. It's like every five-star athlete is stupid. Is that That's another thing. Like, we got to get past that, man. Like, do all these kids now, man, that's smart. They're very smart. They know who they are. They know they're a brand before they get to college. And they're very well thinking about NIL money, how to market themselves. They're putting together their own tapes, posting them on YouTube to market themselves. Man, we got to let loose of that. Like, that whole mentality, just because somebody is a five-star means, you know, they're not smart. Like, and they don't want to go to a school (laughs) <laughs> All yeah, and, go, I think, and I do think and I do it just shows culture, you know, for Marcus Freeman to not even be the head coach in the land two five stars. Absolutely. They see the culture within what Marcus Freeman is bringing in comparison to what they they felt like they would see with Coach Kelly. They was like, well, I really have a good vibe. I don't feel like I would enjoy being around this guy every day. Right. But with a guy like Marcus Freeman and the energy and the fact that he's the youngest doing it and he's killing it. Guys want to go to things that are comfortable around. Marcus Freeman is a slam dunk in a recruiting form for guys to be relatable. I mean, he's played, he looked like he still played. You know what I mean? So he's got the young coach look that has been uh, what teams have been winning with. Yeah. I think this, if any way to go out, because it would already be if Jack Schwarber got a chance to take his time and let this develop if it was an off-season thing. Yeah. We would probably be in a very similar situation to a very traditional hire. I think this is the step that flips us on the table and actually makes us a contender. 
I think any other hire would either be too hard to find doing a formal way of doing it, or two, it wouldn't pop like this one's popping. It wasn't a lot of pop out there, and we had it on our own staff, and that's rare. So, that's uh, what's up. yeah. So for us to get a guy to pop on our own staff and for everybody to get behind it, it really makes us a, a – it feels like it makes us a contender for next year for a national championship, really. And also it, it made the job a lot easier than people are giving credit because, if, like I said, if this was an off-season job, it would make the job a lot harder to find a good hire because now you're overthinking it. You're bringing in all types of guys. The credentials are – are very high. You know, Coach Kelly left with a, a bar that was set pretty high. And, you know, for that to be uh, replaced, it would have had to take a lot of time. And it may not have been the right fit, but this was the, the one that was the right fit with Marcus. Absolutely. I feel the same way. And uh, we have to get over. Man, look, I've come to realize that I know the brand of Notre Dame, and I don't allow anybody else to sell me anything else that's short. Yeah, of what I know, and we as fans, we shouldn't expect less, and we shouldn't allow anybody to come with some narrative to sell us anything less. Yeah, if you know how to sell the product, man, there is no better product to walk into a a a, a teenager's living room with than Notre Dame. Yeah, like if you're trying to sell a school along with football, there's no better product product than Notre Dame. It's a fresh look. It is, and now it's a fresh look. With Brian yes. Kelly, people are like, oh, this is traditional, boring. I'm a yes sir, no sir. Not that they won't do that with Marcus Freeman, but they see the the, the they're trying. They're trying to freshen that thing up a little bit, make it more youthful. For now sure. Notre Dame has a more fun vibe. It has a vibe that's, you know, these are these are young guys really getting after it. It's something that uh a lot of parents will probably buy into as well. They feel more comfortable, trustworthy with a guy like Marcus Freeman coming in your home. You don't know if he's trying to save you from a fire or what, you know, right. trying to coach football and develop you. So um, it's all the stuff that we really need if we are serious. This is a serious step right? in, in getting over that hump and winning a championship. So once again, you know, he said, I believe there's a glass ceiling at Notre Dame and no five-star are not dumb, just indeed got higher academic standards. Some people just don't want to deal with that. Once nobody again, wants to know, nobody wants to acknowledge that it, you know, it's cold nine months out of the year. How about that? Dude, like just stop falling for these narratives, man. That's the same thing. They said that when Jimmy Clausen committed as the number one overall quarterback as a five star. That's what they said. Straight up. Like no five star would come to Notre Dame. But somehow, some way, Charlie Weiss got the number one quarterback in the nation to come to Notre Dame. That's right. I don't want to hear that. Either you can sell it to the kid or you can't. And I'm glad that we have Marcus Freeman being the one to sell Notre Dame to Dante Moore. Period. He's going to sell like water to a fish. I feel more comfortable with him selling it to Dante Moore than Brian Kelly. Point blank. Oh, yeah. I think he'll close better than Brian Kelly for sure. Absolutely. He's already closed two five-stars on the defensive side of the ball in the first class. He walked in in the summer and offered kids that Notre Dame wasn't even going after. 
But it's crazy because Coach Kelly, I mean, you could give him credit and say he doesn't leave a lingering effect. You know, he doesn't leave an effect where kids are going to miss him when he walk out the door kind of thing. And I think that just sticks to the professionalism. He just, you know, Coach Kelly just too professional. Yeah. You know, he in and out. Ain't no hard feelings. I ain't really thinking about y'all for real. You know what I'm here to do. Yeah. Mark Freeman probably gives it more of a family uh, setting, something similar to how, you know, the Ohio State feel is, you know, very lively, energetic, they're serious, they're competitors. Yeah. But, uh, you, they feel like champions. And I think we today is our first step in feeling like champions and the fan base behind it. So um, now we just got to put it together. And, you know, it's it's crazy to see him not having a lingering effect on recruits. Usually, like if Dabo left Clemson right now, they would lose a, a 90% of their recruits. You know? But he wasn't the best recruiter. Like he wasn't that dude. Yeah. That's why he has to change his strikes when he gets to LSU. Because he can't sit back. You know, he literally sat back and depended upon the brand of Notre Dame. And rolled that thing out. And rolled it out because all he did was recruit high three star and four star players. Yeah. And he was comfortable in that vein. He never tried to go get the five star kids. He never fought for Deshaun Watson. He never fought for Trevor Lawrence. He didn't even fight for these guys. He never went out and tried to get Joe Burrow. He never tried to go CJ Stroud. He didn't come out to Cali and get your boy that's down to Alabama. He didn't even try. Like, if you're a top program, you at least have to get in the fight, my dude. Yeah, a lot you of these at least fight for these dudes. It was like, it was always the, like the top 10 never had an offer from Notre Dame. Never you had an offer from Notre Dame. You would have to scroll down to the 30s and 40s to start seeing offers to kids. And, and I'm like, did we just like, are unable to, or we blocked ourselves from getting no. top? We just don't do it. So Comfort. Like, and it gives you something to sell. It yeah. gives you a reason to say why we haven't gotten the job done, which keeps the accountability away from you as the head coach. You know what the game is. You know what the game has been. Yeah. He always gives himself an out. He's always giving himself an out. Every time. he's, It's easy for him to go down there and say, I couldn't win with them players because he wasn't recruiting the good ones. There you go. He wasn't, I'm not, I'm sorry, not the good ones. He wasn't recruiting the slam dunk generational players. He wasn't right. getting those. He wasn't trying to get those. He was trying to get the guys that are good, but he knew there was a ceiling to that, and he can always blame it on, well, the, the school wouldn't let me, so I only had to re- capped out from recruiting and, you know, this, that, and the thirds. But I, yeah. I do think that, uh, you know, now – it's just such a bigger advantage to have Marcus Freeman in this day and age with with being serious about getting to the college football playoffs because he is going to be able to nab a lot of the talent that's just going to feel like they fit with this, what we running at Notre Dame. Once again, your former, your former teammate as well. So let's go over the assistant coaches that chose to stay. Uh, they reached a deal. Shout out to Tommy Reeves on the raise he got today. He can thank Brian Kelly for that. Yeah. Brian yeah. Kelly sent over the $2 million offer from LSU. Notre Dame stepped up and did what they had to do to secure Tommy Reeves. They matched that? Wow. No, they didn't match it. They didn't match oh, it. Wow, about they didn't say, match it. Y'all paying Tommy like. 
They didn't match it. Tommy, like he getting rings out he, here. He got a raise though. He, they didn't match it, but they gave him a raise. And matter of fact, before we move any further, they go with the rest of the assistants decide to stay. This was Tommy Reeves talking to the team this evening um, to let them know that he was staying. It's on Twitter. Um, staying. All right. And I just wanted to tell you guys that in person. Okay? And I love you guys. I love this place. I believe that we can win a national championship here. And I'm committed to doing everything we can to get to that point. I know it's been a hell of a week for you guys. It's been a hell of a week for a lot of us that are part of this place. But um, this is where my heart is. My heart's with you guys. I care too much to leave this place. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to win a national championship. And I want to be able to tell you guys in person. I know Twitter and all happens but i wanted to be able to get in front of you tell you guys that so you guys knew it all right now some of you might be happy some of you might be pissed i don't know i guess I just, <laughs> right? but, um, the most important thing to me was that you guys heard from me up front and that you guys had confidence in it going forward okay i can't tell you guys anything else about what's going on that's all i can tell you but i appreciate you guys coming in on short notice we have work to do this year we got a lot ahead of us and for the guys that are coming back Let's go win a national championship here at Notre Dame. Everybody good? Yes, I can't answer any questions or else I would. All right, guys, but I love you guys. This is where I want to be, and let's go win it all. Cool? Yes, Yo, that was Tommy Reese, plain and simple. Yo. I mean, that's that's the smart move for Tommy. Tommy not going down. He don't want that pressure. You know, that's too much. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. yeah he's gonna go all the way down to LSU and do what? Yeah, come on. That's this is a very very comfortable and smart move that, by Tommy. That, that two mil spins different down south, though, bro. Listen, Tommy loves football more than the money. You know, what I mean, fact. so that's fact. He want to keep that spot. In and secure that spot before he think of he ain't he ain't at BK age where he chasing that thing. Right, right. You know, he he cool with making his money in a in a cooler spot, in a safer spot. He knew he wasn't going nowhere, and unless they really was offering like something crazy, but you know I think that uh Tommy's getting a chance to develop year three with some good guys. I think it's uh. Something that you know, I mean, did anybody ask if Marcus wanted to if he had any idea, or do you think he signed off on it early or what? Like, do you think he would do you think he actually had candidates for other offensive coordinators, or was Tommy no, just like no, no, like, I automatic think, slam dunk? I'll I'll be I'll be very honest with you. I think Jack Swarbrick was being petty. And I'll tell you, we we can put Jack. Oh, Swarbrick. We keeping them because you're not taking them tight. Okay. I think Jack Swarbrick was being really petty. I think you saw that Jack Swarbrick was upset with the way Brian Kelly handled things at the press conference, but he kept an even kill demeanor the entire time. And once he identified Marcus Freeman and told him to come back off the road Monday, he went to work on vetting Marcus Marcus Freeman. Because Marcus Freeman was gonna get first first dibs on the job. Marcus yeah, he, Freeman, was. he was gonna get first dibs. But would that be the same if them two games wasn't on the line? What do you mean if those two games? If the playoffs wasn't on the line. 
if 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 it was just a six and five season, all of that, all of that became a part of the equation. Okay, the so, things went back. Went the the Gary Barter talking about Notre Dame not having a coach could play a factor. All of that came into all of that was part of everything that was going on. Like we don't have to be naive about that, right? And I do think it's just a, a point to just be standing on is that this is a right place, right time hire as well. This is not like. I think his chances were 90% at having it happen now. I don't think it would be 90% if it was an offseason. No, once it made – if it got past this week, we knew it was going to be somebody outside the program. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We knew it would be somebody outside the program more than likely. And, um, yeah, so that's Tommy Rees. He stays. Mike Elston stays. Lance Taylor, the running backs coach today. <laughs> Big key. Um, Mickens, he came with Marcus Freeman, so more than likely he'll stay. Uh, I forget the other young gentleman that came with uh, Chris O'Leary, safety's coach, came with Marcus Freeman. He'll stay more than likely. And I feel like I'm missing somebody. Uh, I think oh, it was Quinn. six. What's Quinn doing? Quinn's Quinn's gone. Quinn's gone. He's gone because, and this is how I know. Saved his ass. That's why it's been reported and has been confirmed that Notre Dame reached out to your former teammate, who was the offensive line coach at Oklahoma, Chris Watt. Chris Watt was an O line coach at Oklahoma. Yeah. Well, shoot out let, let me make sure. I don't want Any, anything from the any, anything from the heat stand tree. I one thousand percent approve of. No, he's the O line coach at Tulane. I oh, apologize. He definitely went over. He was a GA at Notre Dame. Yep. And then he got the job at Tulane. Yep. All right, and they you know, and then he's and then Watt with Tommy Reese is a great combo. They play together. They know each other. That's a great hire if it happens. But then it is also rumored that they reached out to Harry Heastan as well. Oh well, shoot! I want Harry Heastan. That's my come in not as a coach, but kind of a to help Watt. One to help Watt. Yeah, get used to the position, which I believe is very smart. If he stand, if, if Marcus Freeman can get he stand, I'm giving Notre Dame two years to win that thing. Two years. Because I need the quarterback to be right. Yo, like we talk about the promise along the offensive line. If Harry Heastan gets his hands on Blake Fisher, Joe Alt. That's I'm telling you, this Harry Heastan is the key hire of Marcus Freeman's uh upcoming success in any capacity term success just have them connected because we know the defense is going to be stout if offensive line gets harry he's staying great and we get that next step quarterback because he loves what we got with marcus freeman that's a championship right there without a doubt and now and if we can do that and in two years when dante get okay yeah that's about two years there we are we'll get the first year to get close you know, warm up to it, and then we know we're gonna get our we're gonna get our, our ringer in there. <laughs> Let's see. Let's get some comments here, man. 
He was, yeah, he wasn't a, a good recruiter. Sean and Malik are speaking the truth. You know, he couldn't recruit and he couldn't develop. Like you're an offensive genius and you can't develop a quarterback. That's that's a problem to me. Coach Kelly. But I think he will find he, you know, Coach Kelly's not gonna be bad now. Let's just let's not act like he about to go out there and just flat out not be good or nothing. He's definitely gonna be in the conversations, competitive with a good amount of things. It's just uh no, they'll win. They, this might be the most – I'll be honest. This might be the most consistent LSU has been in a while. It's not that she would, like, win a national championship, go down to seven wins, jump back up to nine wins, go back down to seven wins. Under Brian Kelly, I could see them winning ten games. Like Oh, for sure. Every year. Ten games. No, yeah, ten, yeah. And two, ten and two. Ten and and that's two. what they paid for. That's what they paid $140 million for, you know. So uh, we ask people how many steps away are noted is Notre Dame from championships. So uh, Jamie McNeil said two steps away. Game one and two of this year's playoffs. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. Hey, bro, look, I have argued people down. Like they felt like I was being a Debbie Downer earlier in our earlier show because people were feeling like, yo, we have a chance if we get in the playoffs. And I was like, Georgia's already won. We not we not thinking about this. Yo, I didn't even get to that. I was like, absolutely, right? I said, there's only two teams that I would I wouldn't bet Notre Dame on if they played them head up, and that's Alabama and Georgia. Yeah, that's it. Everybody else, I think we could take. So there's one guy who was like, Well, Alabama's not the same. And I said, Yeah, but they still had the same yeah, skill same. positions. They still had the same quarterback and the same skill guys. And our defensive backs are still our defensive backs. That's that's and that's not throwing shade. That's but not we just we not we don't got the players to do all that all game. Alabama's not about to line up and just push us around up front. No, that's not about to happen. Their advantage is going to be skill in space. And us us getting mad and watching us attempt to tackle these dudes. It'll get ugly. That's yeah. what Clemson did to us. They threw it in space, and then if that wasn't there, Trevor was running for six-plus yards every time. And Matthew Lane says, two big recruiting classes, and Tommy taking a step without handcuffs. Yeah, I'm I definitely, yeah. definitely believe Tommy had a little handcuffs deal, to. I know Coach Kelly wasn't giving him full, full reign, but it also is some pressure on Tommy now. Now I'm expecting – us dominating in teams. We're not doing the whole play things close because that was just Coach Kelly's strategy. But we're looking to dominate. That's going to come from this great play calling, and we're looking from that for you. How many steps away would you say, bro? I'm giving it two years. Like I said, man, I think we get, we get Harry Heastanis in two years. If we don't, it, 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 we'll just see. I want to see how if we can get a quarterback that's that's out of the park. We know he's going to the league. We need a slam dunk like that. I got Jamie McNeil said only way to beat Georgia is thirteen to ten or seventeen to thirteen. Could Freeman's defense do it? That's not the defense no. is the issue. 
can Notre Dame put up 10 points on Georgia? And that's a serious look. That's a serious no. That's a serious question. Like, this is a the Georgia defense. We don't have a quarterback to do it. And that's just the fact. I'm not, I don't, I don't think Jack will have a pleasant day. No. Getting to the fourth quarter, I think it'll be a a struggle just because we just outmanned at that position. No. It, I don't think people realize just how good this Georgia defense is. Haven't they pitched like three or four shutouts? Like, that don't even happen. That Yo, even like, happen. one of my mentors in the business, shout out to Jonathan Hood, is a huge Georgia fan. And I usually mess with him because I always tease him about Kirby. Yeah. Like, Kirby's going to find a way. And I'm like, yo, I, I don't. Even, I haven't said a word to him this year because I know. Yeah, you know it is. That it, Kirby can't mess. He can't mess the defense up. He just can't. They're too deep NFL talent all the way through. It's, it's crazy. I got uh thank you, Brian Kime. I mailed LSU a thank you card. <laughs> Freeman there. Yeah, we gotta let him go. We moving on. We man. don't want even air, man. That's that's a, that's a yeah. Air, get, this cat BK is to the point now where it's five seconds. Five he's seconds. He's known as that dude on this yeah. podcast. Like, yeah, that dude that used to be here. Old news. Old oh news. boy. Matthew Lane wants to know, Malik, if you didn't get hurt. Do you not think you wouldn't have been elite? Oh, yeah, we definitely would have won that thing. And I, like I said, I told Coach Kelly in 2016, I'm like, you messed up. You playing the guy that is not going to get you where you want to go. So maybe that was a, a, a hex on him ever since then. He ain't, he's been close but no cigar. But in my opinion, I felt like if I had a chance, 15 or 16, we had a good chance, opportunity to get there and do it. Uh, Matthew Lane also said, with Marcus as the God, does that mean we don't have to deal with teams coming into big games flat? Yeah. I don't think we'll play flat. I think the attitude is – the attitude for the team will be totally different, you know, because it was always business-like with Brian Kelly. Always, always. It was just always super business-like, do what we have to do, worry about us. It's like, man, can we get some swag up in this piece? Straight up. At some point, like, yo, hey, that's so that's pretty much it, man. We just wanted to check in with you guys. Right. We promised you we would give you two shows. Originally, I said we we would give you two hours. I thought we would be starting about three hours ago, so, but yeah, we moved. As, soon. We got it. as you can see, my boy over there is on fumes. And uh, I just appreciate the effort he's giving right now, going above and beyond after a long day, coming out and talking to you guys, man, because we wanted to keep our work. Wanted to keep our work, you guys. So Marcus Freeman is the next head coach at Notre Dame. Uh, we felt like it was going in that direction earlier when we talked to you guys, and uh, that's where it is. We have six Marcus Freeman air. Six assistants that stayed, and it is a checkmate on Brian Kelly, corny, his, on his corny tail. 
just cornball, man. Trying yeah, to pull yeah, a canceling them. Trying to pull a Lincoln Riley and ended up alone. Yeah, just as a log. He wasn't even a Lincoln. He was a log. <laughs> man, this is a good question. LS, LSU or ND? Which one wins a title first? Indeed, just because, you know, let that man Marcus Freeman do something that ain't too many people can do at Notre Dame. Yeah. We appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the scoop at the start. Absolutely, Jamie. We're always here. We spin it different. That exclusive. This uh Jason Ritter says this normally a podcast and not a YouTube channel. No, we're on YouTube all the time. At least two, three times a week. Definitely for in season. We're doing the preview show, the slant, and the wrap up show for each and every game. So that's three shows during the week. And uh That's it. Off season. And I'm sure Malik's gonna get into some film work. Yeah, hey, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. But the talent that's out there, it is a plentiful class. For 2022 and no 2023 and 24 in the state of California, one of the big reasons I believe that your boy left Oklahoma and went to USC because like the talent coming out in 2023 and 24 in the state of California is absolutely amazing. Um, once again, I got Brian Kime, all good fellas. Freeman is the man you want to play for. Kelly is about as motivating as Waffle House sober. I don't know, man. I kind of like Waffle House, dude. Uh, straight up. Yeah, I mean. Our breakfast. Yeah, especially late night after the club or something. Waffle House is, Waffle House is all right. It serves its purpose. Waffle House is my second house. You know <laughs> I got Jacob C. Hey, we love you too, man. We appreciate you. Don't forget, subscribe, share, like, and hit the notification bell so you can know each and every time we're putting something out for you and i think that's it if you want to grab the podcast you can go to a2s network search a2s network on itunes or apple pie apple podcast and you'll see the lucky lefty podcast pop up on the a2s network all right so for my guy the original lucky lefty himself malik zaire I didn't do that right. There you go. That's right. We'll talk to you tomorrow when yep. we officially introduce the next head coach at Notre Dame, Marcus Freeman. All right? All now, right. I, we're finally going to get this dude back on campus. That's what's about to happen. This, yeah. hire, this hire might actually get this dude back on campus soon. Right, outside, right outside his office, too. <laughs> Can't go be a GA now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's gonna be it's gonna look a lot, a lot, a lot better in that office. I tell you that. Yeah, man. Checkmate. Welcome to the Freeman era. We'll see you guys tomorrow. <laughs>